Welcome to the Anatomy Wellness Podcast, a podcast that's dedicated to your health and your wellness. My name is Mark, and I'll be your host for today's show. And today we're going to be talking with Dr. Michael Chen. He's a licensed MD that works as a family practitioner. And today we're going to be talking to him about the coronavirus or COVID-19. Specifically, we'll be talking to him about the differences between COVID-19 and other common illnesses that we see each season, such as the flu and pneumonia. We're also going to talk to him about testing for COVID-19, what the test itself is like, uh, what you should know about the testing, uh, and just other general information about the testing for COVID-19 that each of us should know. But we're also going to talk to him about how we can take care of ourselves during this time of uncertainty and, and high stress and anxiety. We're going to talk to him about how we can make sure that we're still healthy mentally, emotionally, physically, even while many of us are quarantined or socially distancing uh, at our homes. So that'll be a great conversation, which I think many of you will find really beneficial and interesting. But before we get to these topics and these questions and conversations with Dr. Michael Chen and, and other things that we'll talk about along the way with him, we first wanted to thank our sponsor for today's podcast, Gamer Advantage. Gamer Advantage offers premium quality blue light protecting glasses that are clinically proven to help protect your eyes from the digital blue light that our electronic device screens emit. This digital blue light may be causing you to experience excessive eye strain and may even be contributing to your headaches, migraines, and poor sleep. Later in the show, we'll learn more about Gamer Advantage glasses and how you can receive a 15% discount on your order by being a listener to this podcast. But before we get to that and our interview with Dr. Chen, we first just wanted to take a minute to let you know more about the Anatomy Wellness YouTube channel. The Anatomy and Wellness YouTube channel is a great resource for people who want to learn more about how to better take care of their body and live a happy, healthy, and active life. There you'll find a variety of helpful videos that will teach you about things like how to stretch tight muscles, how to use a foam roller or a trigger point ball. You can even learn how to improve your core muscle strength. These are just some examples of the kinds of videos you'll find on the Anatomy and Wellness YouTube channel. And so if you're someone who's interested in being healthy and active and living the best life that you can, be sure to go to youtube.com and search for the Anatomy of Wellness. Then click on the red subscribe button to make sure that you won't miss a single video. But now let's get to our interview with Dr. Michael Chen. All right, everybody. So I'm here with Dr. Michael Chen, and today we're going to talk with him a little bit more about the COVID-19 virus. Obviously, that's a big deal right now, and a lot of people have a lot of different questions and concerns about things that are going on with that. So we'll talk about that here uh, with Dr. Chen, but we're also going to talk about a few other topics, some of them related to that and some of the things going on with uh, like the quarantines and how people can take care of themselves. Uh, especially with like their mental and emotional and social health uh, during this time. Uh, So we'll get into that a little bit as well. And then we may get to some other topics here along the way. Uh, But that's what we're going to be talking to Dr. Chen about today. So Dr. Chen, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us, and uh, we're excited to have you. We have a, a lot of questions for you, uh, which I think will be really good to talk uh, to you about and get some answers about. But before we get into that, I just wanted to get to know you a little bit. So uh, maybe just tell us, you know, like where you're from um, and, and a little bit about like your education background, and then just a little bit about why you decided to get into the healthcare field. 
Yeah, so I was born and raised in Salt Lake, uh, just right in the avenues. Did uh, high school over at Roland Hall, undergrad and med school, both of the U. Go Utes. Yeah, go Utes, for sure. We're <laughs> we're very pro Utes here on this podcast, so that's good to hear. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it was actually my 10th year in the must this year. Oh, nice. It was uh, undergrad and med school, and then my wife was doing her master's in social work, so we got to tack on a couple more years in the must. Pretty good times. Yeah, I bet. And then, yeah, so after med school, I went down and did my family medicine residency at the Utah Valley program uh, in Provo at Utah Valley Hospital, and then just started working in my family practice with the U up at the South Jordan Health Center. Very cool. And so how long have you been there at that current location that you're at? Yeah, so I started there in August, so half a year-ish, but it's been it's been really good. Awesome. Well, very cool. And and so you're a family practitioner, but are there like any specialties that you have or maybe certain areas of interest in the healthcare field that, that you're particularly interested in or you like helping people with? Yeah. So when I was trying to decide on a specialty in medical school, um, I ended up coming down to three different things. One was family practice. One was psychiatry because I actually have a big interest in mental health. Um, and so even being in family practice, we see that a lot because there's such a shortage of psychiatrists um, around the country, but definitely, especially in Utah. Utah is one of the lowest states in access to mental health care. Oh, really? And then, yeah. And then my other interest was uh, PM&R, which is physical medicine and rehabilitation. And so I have an interest in sports injuries, things like that. And then I think I kind of went towards that way just because I grew up ski racing and skiing a lot in in utah and so seeing a lot of those injuries got me more interested in how to treat them <laughs> yeah for sure i i've worked in you know physical therapy clinics obviously with the anatomy of wellness we work with a lot of uh, athletes and sports injuries and yeah skiers definitely uh see their fair share of those so i can i can see where your interest uh, from that derived from so but i think that's really cool that you have um you know, the, the background with, you know, the medical side of things, as far as like the body is concerned, but then you also have that interest in and experience with more of like the mental and emotional side of things. You know, we just know so much more about that now in today's world about how the mind and the body are connected. So I think that's really cool that you can help people with, with both sides of the, of the coin, if you will, with that. Yeah, definitely. Well, awesome. Well, I think that'll be great with some of our discussions here today about what we're going to talk about. So so let's just start with some of that then that we plan to talk to you about. So obviously the big thing right now is the coronavirus or the COVID-19 virus. Uh, we're right in the middle of, of trying to get that under control. A lot of us are staying at home and doing what we can to help you know flatten the curve and, and help reduce the spread of that virus. Uh, but there is a lot of people out there that still have a lot of questions and concerns about it. And and uh, I think it'd be great just to talk to you about that a little bit. So I know one of the things that I talked to you about before having you here on the podcast is something you thought would be really important for people to know and understand a little bit better is the difference between the COVID-19 virus uh, in comparison to some of the more common illnesses that we see each season, like, for example, the flu or like even pneumonia, those types of things that it's similar to in a lot of respects, but is also very different in many other ways. So uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about that? What what are the differences or like the big differences that we should know about between COVID-19 and these other kind of more common uh, viruses and sicknesses that, that we get each season? 
Yeah. So I think something the the easy way to start is just almost everyone's had kind of the common cold, which comes from viruses. Um, it might have even been a coronavirus in the past. Um, there's a, a large group of different viruses, coronavirus being one of them, that can cause the common cold. Um, those symptoms usually are like a gradual onset. You start with maybe a runny nose, stuffiness. You start sneezing. You get some sore throat. Um, sometimes you can cough. Sometimes you get some aches and pains. But it's pretty rare to get a true fever with a common cold. Uh, fever for a medical definition is 38 degrees Celsius or 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit. And so the fever is definitely something that sets a coronavirus or a flu apart from the, the common cold. It is also pretty rare to get shortness of breath and headaches from a cold as well, uh, whereas you can get that with coronavirus and flu. And then so kind of moving into the flu, you always hear about getting uh, flu shots to help prevent that. Some years it works well, some years it doesn't work well, um, but the flu shot can uh, decrease your symptoms even if you were to get the flu. Um, that usually, the way I ask patients is, do you feel like you got hit by a truck when you woke up that morning? Because <laughs> the flu hits all at once. It's not gradual like the cold. Most people will get a high fever. That's where you hear about like the 102, 103, 104 degrees. Um, they'll, they'll cough. They'll be tired. They'll have shortness of breath. They can get achiness too. Sometimes sore throat, sometimes runny nose, sometimes sneezing. Um, and then our current coronavirus, sort of COVID-19, um, the main things we're looking for is getting a fever, cough, and shortness of breath. Um, and for some people, the symptoms are really mild. I mean, we hear about Donovan Mitchell testing positive, but didn't really have any symptoms. Right, and yeah. Hear, yeah, and then you hear about the people in the hospitals all over the world who are having trouble breathing, needing the ICU and ventilators. And so, so those symptoms range a lot, but the big three we're looking for is if you've got the fever and then you're coughing and it's usually a pretty dry cough and then also shortness of breath. Yeah, definitely. Well, and one thing about that too, I wanted to ask you about. So one thing I've heard a lot is like some people think this is just like an old person's like virus or sickness where like if you're, if you're below the age of 60, you're really not like super high risk to get the more severe cases of uh, severe symptoms. Um, but what would you say to that? Because I've heard a lot of different things about that. Yeah. And so, so with that, it is true that um, a, a majority of young people, uh, especially if you're generally healthy anyways, without other diseases that compromise your immune system, you might get pretty mild symptoms and it may seem more like a mild flu or cold. Um, the, the important part and why we're wanting to get everybody social distancing right now is because even if you aren't having bad symptoms, you can still transmit it while you're sick and sometimes even after when you feel better, or you might have no symptoms and you can still transmit the disease. And so that's why we want to keep people from transmitting that disease to uh, the, the people who are going to have the more severe symptoms. And that kind of goes into the whole herd immunity, 
vaccinations, but that's a whole another topic. <laughs> right, for sure. Well, and, and, and something similar to that, maybe not going super deep on, on that specifically, but something I feel like is related is is the importance in understanding, you know, why it's important to to try and reduce the spread of this virus, right? Because some people will argue like, hey, every every winter, you know, fall season, we have a flu season and tons of people get sick with the flu and obviously it's dangerous and and a lot of people end up dying from the flu, but, you know, it's not something that shuts down the world. It doesn't crash the economy, you know, all these things that we're, that we're seeing with the, the COVID, uh, COVID-19 and the response we're having to it. So why why is it different? Why Why do we need to take these additional measures? Why do people need to stay home? Why is it such a big deal that we do this when we don't typically do this with like the normal flu? Yeah, uh, a big reason for that is the incubation period. And so that kind of means like when you first contact somebody um, who's sick with a common cold, it's maybe one to two days and then you'll start feeling some tim- symptoms and get sick as well. Same with the flu. That's usually one to three days. Uh, with this COVID-19, um, the average is actually five days, and they've been seen a full 14 days out from contact. Oh, wow. And, and then you start getting symptoms. And so that's the tough part is you feel fine for those whole two weeks, which is why we're kind of talking about all this 14-day quarantine is because you could feel fine and totally normal and then get sick two weeks later. Um, And you've been spreading it to everybody you've talked to and been in contact with during those two weeks. Right. And then they go out and then they spread it to all the people or, you know, not all of it, but they could potentially spread it to several people that they've been in close contact with as well. Right. Yeah, definitely. And uh, along with this is a lot of people are comparing it to the flu. Um, this is, this definitely spreads a lot faster than the flu. And part of it is because of that incubation rate that people don't know they're actually sick. Um, the, the most recent numbers I had looked at was saying that the people who are 20, 20 to 29 actually had the highest rate of spread. It's most likely that they aren't feeling sick or it's very mild. And so they don't feel sick. So they're going out and spreading it. And then the fatality rate for this, COVID-19, we don't have very good data yet just because it's pretty new. Right. Uh, The closest data we have is probably in Korea because they did mass testing of everyone. So their their denominator is pretty accurate for who has it and who doesn't have it. And they're having 0.65% fatality, which doesn't sound that bad. But it's actually six times higher than the normal flu. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and do they know like why that is? Like, why is it such a higher fatality rate than the than the common flu? Yeah, this virus for some reason causes a lot more shortness of breath than than other viruses have in the past, and so that's why we're needing so many ICU beds and ventilators where people are needing to be intubated and getting that tube to help them breathe. And so that's that's the big reason of why we want to flatten that curve because we only have so many ICU beds and ventilators. Um, we don't want to get to the point where, like in Italy, they were having initially it was people eighty and up or seventy up. Just if they're sick, they just go home because they they want to try to save younger people. Right, and that that would be devastating to get to that point. Right, know? I think 
it wasn't that long ago I saw an article, I think it was on CNN or AP News, I can't remember, but they were interviewing some of these doctors in, in the hospitals in Italy, and they were just saying simply, hey, like, if someone comes in and they're sick and they're over 60, like you're saying, we're, we're just sending them home and just kind of wishing them good luck because we're prioritizing the younger people to be on these ventilators. And, and, that, and that's, again, like you mentioned, that's the real problem with how fast it can spread and with how hard it is to tell, you know, who exactly has it and uh, with with the symptoms sometimes showing up much later on, but they're still spreading it before the symptoms show themselves is if we overwhelm the system, we just simply don't have enough equipment. We don't have enough, you know, beds and ventilators. We don't have enough staff even, you know, we don't have enough healthcare professionals or enough nurses to attend to everybody that's going to need, um, need that additional help. Right. And so that's really where the big problem or one of the big problems I should say comes in. And that's the importance of trying to flatten this curve and stay home and, you know, do all these things that we should be doing. Right. Yeah, definitely. So are there any risk factors uh, that are specifically associated with, um, you know, certain people getting worse symptoms or, or being more prone to, you know, uh, to having uh, worse cases of the disease? I would, I would assume a lot of things like if, you ha- if you're smoking, you know, something that affects your breathing prior to uh, getting the virus, that would probably be an underlying risk factor, right? But is there anything else specifically that people should be aware of as far as like lifestyle uh, choices that maybe they should try and limit or avoid in, in order to help them avoid those those underlying risk factors? Uh, for for most of our risk factors at this point, it's just if you're immunocompromised, which that's a very vague term. Oftentimes that comes from chronic diseases, heart conditions, lung conditions, especially with this causing the, the more shortness of breath, like asthma, COPD, and smoking. Um, diabetes definitely um, makes you at higher risk just because you don't heal as well when you have diabetes. Right. And all those kind of make sense with what we know about the virus, right? So I think that's a good discussion on that. One thing I did want to ask you about, so we kind of talked about like why people should be worried about COVID-19, but something else I wanted to ask you about is you know, not, not to like downplay it or anything, but I, I, I sometimes hear like, Oh, Hey, this is going to be like the end of the world. Like we're never going to get over this. Like it's incurable, all these things. But, but like, what are some things that people can look to, to get help with this? Right. Like what, 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 what are some things to, some positive things about this virus? If, if, we, if we can word it that way. Yeah, definitely. Um, for that is that viruses do, pass and they're they're self-limiting we don't treat them with antibiotics it's usually supportive care which is like if you have a fever you can take tylenol ibuprofen when you're coughing you can try mucinex and sudafed those type of things um and and for a majority of people it's going to be pretty mild um most recently it was probably 80 percent of people who get covid will have mild to moderate symptoms 15% 15% will have severe symptoms, and then 5% will b- have critical symptoms. So so 8 out of 10 people will do just fine with it. It's just that other 20% um, that needs the extra help, that's why we're really encouraging the, the social distancing and trying to flatten that curve. Yeah, for sure. And well, like you mentioned, like, eventually we're, we're going to get through this. Like, especially, you know, it, it's – 
you go back to the herd immunity discussion, right? So after people contract the virus and then they're able to get through it, their immune system has now built up an immunity to it, right? And so they're then able to go back out and, and, and function in society without that you know higher risk of contracting the virus or at least if they contract the virus again their immune system is more developed and more uh, accustomed to it so it can fight it off more easily right and so once we kind of build that up over or and throughout the population which is really what a vaccine is designed to help us do right in a, in a lot of ways then it'll help us get through it and move past it a lot a lot easier and a lot better than we currently are prepared for it right so, so yeah that's so there is a lot of hope for people moving forward it's not gonna always be like this we're not gonna be you know 10 years down the road and we're all still living at home doing everything from home we're gonna be <laughs> able to go back out and have normal lives again right so yeah i think that's important to to recognize so Now, before we get to the rest of our conversation with Dr. Michael Chen, we first just wanted to share a short message from our sponsor for today's show, Gamer Advantage. If you're like me and most other people, you probably spend a lot of time looking at a screen throughout the day. But did you know that the screens of your electronic devices, such as your cell phone, tablet, TV, or computer, could be negatively affecting the health of your eyes and may even be disrupting your sleep? It might even be contributing to those headaches and migraines that you keep getting. But why does this happen? Well, it's because of blue light. Any electronic device with a screen emits a specific kind of light called blue light. When our eyes are exposed to blue light over prolonged periods of time, it can cause our eyes additional strain and fatigue due to the high amounts of energy that our eyes will absorb from this blue light. This can also contribute to the headaches and migraines that you're getting. Additionally, the amount of blue light our eyes are exposed to can negatively affect our sleep. But luckily for people like you and me who spend a lot of time looking at screens, there's Gamer Advantage. Gamer Advantage offers FDA compliant and ANSI certified blue light absorbing glasses that are clinically proven to reduce eye strain and melatonin disruptions caused by blue light which can lead to sleep disruptions. The frames of the glasses are made from premium materials that make them both lightweight and durable. The lenses of the glasses, which can be matched to your prescription needs, are made of durable polycarbonate and come standard with double-sided AR coating, which helps to reduce glare from the light of your screen. They also come with a hydrophobic coating that repels fingerprints and sweat, so your lenses can stay clean and clear as you work. Additionally, the lenses are near clear in color and offer clinically proven blue light protection for your eyes, all without the color distortion that many other blue light protecting glasses cause with their yellow colored lenses. And guess what? They work. 99% of people who use Gamer Advantage glasses reported having more relaxed and less strained eyes. 98% of users report significant sleep improvements, and 65% report significant reduction in their headaches and migraines. And as someone who has been using Gamer Advantage glasses for the past few months myself, I can tell you from personal experience that these glasses work. My eyes feel so much better when I wear my Gamer Advantage glasses. I even feel like they've helped me with my sleep and they've helped reduce the number of headaches I get in a week. And as someone who spends a lot of my workday in front of a screen, and a lot of my free time playing video games with my buddies or watching movies or TV shows, I really appreciate the positive difference they've made for me and my health. 
So if you're someone that's serious about protecting the health of your eyes, getting better sleep, and decreasing the headaches and migraines that you're getting, then go get yourself a pair of Gamer Advantage glasses. And because you're a listener of this podcast, if you go to GamerAdvantage.com forward slash discount forward slash AOW, you can get 15% off your order. Again, that's GamerAdvantage.com forward slash discount forward slash AOW, and you can get 15% off your order. And now back to our interview with Dr. Michael Chen. So we talked a lot about the importance of, you know, social distancing, which is going to help and uh, help to flatten that curve and help make sure we're, we're not overwhelming the healthcare system. But, uh, and I think uh, for the large majority of us, we're, we're actively participating in that. We're doing our part in, in helping with that. But, but it's, I, I, one thing I feel like is we talk about doing it a lot, but something that's missed in that discussion is talking about really just how hard it is to do that, especially from the sense of, you know, emotional health, you know, mental health, social health. It's, it's not easy to isolate yourself inside your home, right? Like, I mean, I have this tiny little apartment and I've been, you know, working from home for the past 10 days or so. And it was by about yesterday, you know, I was doing pretty good for the first week, but yesterday was kind of the first day I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm feeling the anxiety. I'm feeling the stress of just being home all the time. I can't just go out and do things normally like I normally would. I have to really plan for it. You know, I'm not hanging out with friends like I used to, you know, all those different components of that you don't really think about that are hard to deal with when you're, when you're isolating yourself at home like that. So I think it'd be good to talk to you, especially because you have that passion for, you know, mental and emotional health. It'd be good to talk to you about how people can cope with that social distancing, right? Because it, there's a difference between physical distance, distancing, which is a lot of what this is that we should be doing right now. There's a difference between that physical distancing and social distancing and emotional distancing, right? So, uh, what would you what would you say to people to try and help them? You know, what are some things people can do, or or things you'd want people to know that would help them to cope with this social distancing that we're doing right now? Yeah, and I love that you brought up uh, physical distancing versus social distancing just because physical distancing is important. Um, we're, we're trying to keep that six feet radius for people just because that's how far droplets go when you cough or sneeze. Um, but but socially, we, we want to try not to distance ourselves um, from people. There's lots of different ways you can communicate. We have all this technology now. I always picture, like, what would this have been like in like the 1980s or 1990s when we didn't all have phones and Skype and all these different video (laughs) ways to contact with people that would have been much harder. So I would have, I would have lost my mind had I not been able to play like (laughs) Xbox with my buddies, you know, this last week, like that, that would have been a big problem. I would not have done well back in the 1980s or, you know, seventies if we had to be doing this. (laughs) <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So a big thing is, is connect with your friends and family using those virtual platforms. Um, uh, another thing is talking about technology, try to avoid some social media, all of this hype and you get information coming left and right from all sorts of sources um, that can really heighten anxiety and stress. And so just try to find maybe one or two ways you get news I always direct people to either the CDC. Um, they have their own website at cdc.gov slash coronavirus or slash COVID-19, whatever one you you can remember better. 
Um, there's a coronavirus.utah.gov that you can, you can get information and you know that's going to be correct factual information and not have to figure out like, oh, did my neighbor get this from a good source and then posted it on Facebook or things like that. And then you don't have to feel all of that anxiety of now it's on me to figure out is this news real or not. Um, and then other ways to help cope is just to have a routine. Uh, for a lot of people who go to work, that they have their normal routine, and that helps you just know what your day is going to be. So create some kind of routine. Um, for a lot of people, if they're already exercising, keep exercise as a part of that routine. Um, you might have to modify it a little bit if your gym's not open or they only allow so many people in at a time. Um, lots of different apps are coming out. I know like Peloton always has their cheesy commercials, but they've got a free app for 90 days. So you could try that out. Uh, Orange Theory is posting a lot of free home workout videos. There's the seven minute workout apps that you can try and you only need a chair for that at home. Modifying things to body weight exercises and using things that are around the house too. If you want it weights, like use a gallon of milk, use those random like cases of water that people have been hoarding um so <laughs> yeah. yeah put them to good use right <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and then and try to eat healthy it's so easy at home to just be like oh i'll just eat this bag of chips next to me and then like oh and now it's dinner time and all i've eaten is junk food all day um try to still have like your normal lunch time and and try to meal prep if you do that normally um Watch out for all those canned foods and ramen and the easy-to-prepare foods at home because those have tons of salt in them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, and stay hydrated because you might have your normal water bottle that you bring to work every day, and that helps you remember to drink water. But at home, you're not used to that. Um, so, yeah, just really eating healthy, exercising, getting plenty of sleep, staying well hydrated. Those things are kind of basics to help. Uh, people cope. If you can't go outside, um, go go on hikes. Um, watch out for those really popular hikes because some of those can bottleneck and then you no longer have that. For sure. Physical distancing. Um, and then, yeah, and talking about anxiety and stress too, um, an unfortunate thing about this that has come up is that because there is such heightened anxiety and stress, um, a lot of the the police stations are coming out saying they've had really high numbers of domestic violence calls. Yeah. And so, so with that, I just want to bring up the, the hotline number is 1-800-799-SAFE or 799-7233. So if you need any help, um, it's, it's tough times. And so you have resources. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I, I'm glad that you brought that up. I actually had an experience just this last week where it was, what, about 1.30 in the morning and someone rang my doorbell to my apartment. And so I went to the door thinking, you know, who the heck is ringing my doorbell at like 1.30 in the morning? And when I went to check the door, initially no one was there. So I thought, oh, it's just some dumb kids, you know, doorbell ditching or whatever, taking advantage of, you know, the situation. So anyway, so I kind of went back to bed and whatever. But at about 3 a.m., in the morning that same night same thing someone rang my doorbell so i get up and at this point i'm pretty irritated right i'm like it's three in the morning like it's already happened at one in the morning so i go <laughs> yeah. to my door but there's uh this time when i check my door there's actually a lady 
out in, out in front of my door, kind of leaning up against my door frame. And uh, she had this, uh, so I opened the door and I, as I opened the door, I'm kind of getting ready to, you know, chew this lady out and be like, you know, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> Ringing the doorbell in the middle of the night. But uh, as I opened the door to speak with her, I noticed she has this huge like goose egg right on her head and she's bleeding and you know, the side of her face is bruised. And, and uh, anyways, long story short, I won't get into all the details, but uh, you know, I ended up talking with her for a while and she was, you know, kind of you know, out of it a little bit. And I think she, you know, probably had a concussion or something. But after speaking with her for a little bit, I decided it was best to inform the police because I suspected that there was some kind of domestic uh, violence incident that was related to her uh, her situation. So anyways, long story short, we, we ended up having the police officers coming over and checking on her and, and helping resolve that situation. But uh, so it was kind of a, you know, scary, um, unexpected incident. But, you know, like you said, like when, when people are cooped up at home, you know, they're in high stress, high anxiety environments. Um, it, 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 it's not a great environment for, for situations like that. Right. So if you, if you need help, definitely reach out to the people who can help you and get help. And then also, you know, if you're a neighbor, you know, especially like in apartment complexes, like I am, if you see something or hear something, you know, definitely reach out to the proper authorities and people to, to make sure that you're helping those people out. Cause you know, that's just one component of this whole thing, right? We should obviously be taking care of ourselves and our families, but it's also good to be looking out for others around us. Let's not get so self-absorbed and, and selfish that, that we're only focused on helping ourselves and not, not our, not our neighbors and not the community as a whole. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, like a lot of people have neighbors that maybe are elderly or have those immunocompromising diseases and they don't want to go to a grocery store, even though a lot of them have been great about creating those senior hours. It's still a risk to go out. And so if you can try to find out what they need, text them, and then go pick those things up for them, drop them off at their door so you don't even have to create any physical contact, but you're creating immense help for them. For sure, for sure, yeah. So, when I think those are all great things that you brought up, though, that people can do at home to, to help and, and to deal with coping with it. I think the schedule thing is big. That's what something I had to do when this all started is really come down with like a schedule of, of what I'm going to do in my day. I think exercise is also a great one that you brought up. I mean, and for people who think that you can't get a good workout at home, let me just tell you, my after my first at-home workout, <laughs> I was so sore for the next couple of days. Like, I'm not in like super good shape or anything, but... Yeah, let me tell you, you can definitely get a good workout in your living room. And uh, so I'd highly recommend that. And that, and that helps me with like stress eating. Um, that helps me to deal with my stress and anxiety. So I think that's a really great uh, and, and good thing that you brought up for people to do there as well. But uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about a little bit more specifically is I know a lot of people, myself included, um, a, a big part of their stress and anxiety with this uh, staying home is, is, is missing work. Right. Because, you know, we all have bills to pay. Uh, it's, it's hard to go throughout life without money. Right. <laughs> um, so what would you tell people that are considering, you know, staying home from work or, you know, maybe even at the cost of, or of, of some financial cost to themselves? Do you have any advice to those people on, on kind of how to make that decision or what they should consider when they're when they're thinking through that process? Uh, what were your, what would you what would your thoughts be on that? Yeah, I think one one good thing that maybe has come from this is we're actually seeing a lot of employers 
sending their employees to work from home and do whatever they can from home. Um, the CDC actually has a website just for employers that has a lot of different guidelines for them, like actively encouraging sick employees to stay home, separating sick employees if they show up, and sending them home. Um, other things is just trying to get um, employers and education out about don't require notes saying that you're positive or not positive for COVID um, and really validating illness. A lot of healthcare provider offices and medical facilities are really busy and just already overloaded. And having people come in for, I coughed once when I went to work, and now my work says I can't go back unless I get a note saying I don't have COVID, um, just really makes it harder on everybody, especially with different criteria um, for COVID testing. That changes constantly for us. And so we recently, just this week, started loosening that up a little bit to people with symptoms and not necessarily having international travel or um, exposure to known cases. Uh, so we are testing more people now, but there's still people who might not qualify for testing that should just stay at home and work it from home because it'll be better for everybody to help flatten the curve. Um, for those people who still have to go into work, um, for whatever their job responsibilities are, is try to do physical distancing while you're in the workplace. I know for me, uh, I went to Costco and got some groceries, and they've actually got lines marked out for how far six feet away is. So oh, it's really awesome. easy to, yeah, to know I should be this far away from the next person in front of me. And so little things like that can really help everybody stay safer. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and you kind of mentioned um, the qualifications or requirements that they're looking for for testing. Uh, so maybe just explain that a little bit more. You kind of mentioned some of them, but are there, are there any other things that people should know about as far as, you know, specifics of, of, of when they should go in to get tested? Like, like let's say someone thinks that they may have uh, contracted the COVID-19 virus. When would be the, the point in time that you would tell them, okay, this is when you need to go get tested? and maybe what are some other instances and in maybe which they should wait or not go get tested according to the guidelines yeah so this is huge right now and i would say because guidelines are constantly changing definitely call your doctor's office before you go anywhere so they can help uh, guide you based on the current guidelines but right now we're testing anybody who's had those symptoms of fever, cough, and shortness of breath. If you've got two or three of those, um, especially with the fever, we're definitely going to test you. Um, and then other ones are if you're having milder symptoms, maybe no fever, but you are coughing a little bit. Most people who cough a lot will feel a little bit short of breath. Um, if you're at an at-risk category, and so for that, that would be if you have traveled to somewhere with widespread covid or you're immunocompromised or pregnant um, or have been in close contact with someone with a positive COVID test, those people we're also testing for now. But main thing is, is contact your healthcare provider and see what they suggest at the current time of if you should go in to get tested or not. And, and for it's definitely high stress right now. Please don't threaten people. <laughs> there was an article saying that people were going to bomb 
hospitals. Oh, gosh. Yeah, because they weren't offered testing. And we're just following national recommendations on the best way we know we can do at the current time. So <laughs> so, so try to stick with us. <laughs> yeah. Work with us. Yeah, my goodness, I I hadn't seen that article, but but yeah, I'm sure like what we kind of were talking about with you know high stress, high anxiety, especially if you think you have the virus, right? Like, yeah, just try and be as understanding as possible. Just just know that you know you know people like Dr. Chen and your other healthcare professionals out there, they're just doing their best. They're under a lot of stress. Like I'm sure you are under a lot of stress and anxiety, just like the rest of us, right? Um, so yeah, try and be as nice and understanding, and please don't threaten you know violence or <laughs> yeah. anything no one no one wants that on top of all the other you don't want you don't want the fbi coming on you know to your house when you're not feeling well and already stressed and kicking down your door because you said something stupid without thinking yeah, about it you know so, for sure so well and, and one last thing i wanted to ask you about um spe- and specific to the testing so recently I, I've I've seen a couple of my friends talking about this where they're saying, Oh, like I heard I heard the test is super uncomfortable or super painful and and they were just kinda of talking about this. I personally haven't heard that from anybody or seen it in any, you know, sourced material or anything like that. But could you just explain the the, 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 the actual testing procedure? Like is it something people need to be super stressed about or is it kind of an easy thing to do? Uh, could you maybe talk about that a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So the the swab that they use to test right now is a nasopharyngeal swab. And so it's a swab that goes in your nose and um, it actually goes back and then to, to touch your throat. And so it definitely is a pretty long swab. It's not very comfortable, um, but it's not anything to be stressed about necessarily because um, it's it's the only way we can test right now. And so you can't really get any other sort of testing. It is uncomfortable, but it'll only be maybe 20 or 30 seconds, and then you'll be done. And then you'll be able to get some test results back. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I've actually, in the not-so-distant past, had a, had a test similar to this, not this exact one, but one that's very similar. And just from my personal experience, I can say, like, definitely, like you said, it's not the most comfortable thing in the world. Like, it's going to probably make your eyes water a little bit, right? Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, like, fairly quick, and, uh, like, it's not painful or anything like that. And then, you know, especially you know, relative to, you know, the discomfort you may feel for that, you know, 30 seconds or so compared to, you know, the stress and anxiety of not knowing if you have this and, you know, all that stuff, like the, the cost versus, you know, the benefit, it, uh, it's heavily weighted in favor of going and getting that test. So if you, if you're having anxiety or stress or apprehension about it, just, just know it's not that bad. It only lasts 30 seconds or so. And it's definitely better to go through that short amount of discomfort, uh, than to, than to not know and potentially have much, much, uh, bigger problems on your hands down (laughs) the road. Right. So, um, and then are, are there currently any like stations set up here locally that you know of where people can go and be tested? Do they have any of those drive through stations set up yet? Do you know? Yeah. So for me, because I work for the U, I know the U has stations at the South Jordan Health Center, uh, the Sugar House Health Center that's, that they just barely built. Um, the Redwood Health Center has it. And then Farmington also has it. So kind of the main hubs um, within Salt Lake County, at least, you're able to get those done. I know we're partner- partnering with Intermountain to try to get one set up in Park City as well. 
Um, and then I, Intermountain also has some. I'm not sure where those are located, though. Awesome. So, yeah, quite a few locations, though, it sounds like. So you can probably probably find one near you or at least have fairly easy access to them, which is great. So Yeah. Well, well awesome. Well, great. Well, is there anything else that you would feel like you'd want to talk about um, with COVID-19? Anything related to that before we kind of wrap things up here? Yeah, I think um, a lot of people want to help. Um, there's right now under coronavirus.utah.gov, there's a donate button. It's kind of the bottom middle of that page. You can go as an employer and help donate personal protective equipment like surgical masks, gowns, gloves, things like that. Um, individuals can go if they want to donate money to various uh, like nonprofit groups that are helping organize all of these different things. And so... Just if you want to help, there are ways to help. But I, I always think the easiest way is is be a good neighbor. Don't hoard all your stuff. Um, try to physically distance. Wash your hands. Support local small businesses like Anatomy of Wellness. You can always buy gift cards to help them when they're not having offices open. Um, yeah, and just... Stay stay safe. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and we appreciate the shout out there. Yeah, like you mentioned, especially for us, you know, you can buy gift cards and we're, we're even doing some fun things with video where, you know, I can work with you and do functional movement assessments, you know, via FaceTime or video and tell you where you may be having movement compensations, all that kind of stuff that we'd normally do in-house. We can kind of work around uh, the situation right now. And yeah, anytime you can support local small businesses, uh, I think that's great. So I appreciate the shout out to us. <laughs> there as well so yeah well great well let's just kind of wrap this up then i i think it'd be great here at the end just to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit more specifically about uh what you do and and where you do what you do and so uh where do you work uh how can people find you and and how can they contact you if they're interested in coming in and seeing you and then maybe talk a little bit about the kinds of people um that you uh work with so people know if they'd be a good match and fit to come in and see you sometime yeah, definitely. So um, I work out at the South Jordan Health Center for the University of Utah um, doing family practice. So that means I can see anyone from birth until they die. We always call it womb to tomb. And so if, if you're needing medical care, um, we can always see you. Um, like I mentioned towards the beginning, I do have special interests in mental health, sports injuries. I can help do knee and shoulder injections to really help um, kind of make you feel better to be able to participate in different activities. Um, for us, our phone number is 801-213-4500, and that's to be able to schedule an appointment. Um, and, yeah. Awesome. Well, great. Yeah, definitely if you if you you know are in a situation where you're looking for a family practitioner or you know any of those other things that Dr. Chen works with, you know, sports injuries specifically, I know that's something that I work with a lot. Um, you know, just from talking with you, I know you'd be a great resource for people to come see as well. So, yeah, definitely give him a call, go see him if if you're if you're looking for a family practitioner and yeah, I think that's all we have for today to talk to you with uh to talk to you about, but just wanted to say thanks for coming on to the the, the show the podcast and for taking your time to to share your knowledge and and help us kind of all understand this this crazy situation a little bit more especially with how to deal with things and how to cope with it i think that was a really valuable 
conversation that's not being had enough of uh, here in the in the media. So, just want to say thanks again, Dr. Chen, and we appreciate you coming onto the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, and stay safe. All right. Well, that's all that we have for today's show. We want to thank you for joining us for today. And a special thanks to our guest, Dr. Michael Chen. We really appreciate him taking the time to come and speak with us about COVID-19, especially with him being a healthcare professional, being on the front lines of this fight with that virus. Uh, for, so for him to take that time to come speak with us is uh, greatly, greatly appreciated. And we really appreciate all the work that he's doing uh, to help people out there. So special thanks to him. But we hope that you found today's show uh, interesting and helpful and informative. Uh, but if you have suggestions uh, for topics or guests that you would like for us to talk to or talk about here on the show in the future, please reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram at Anatomy of Wellness. You can also search for us on Facebook. Uh, go ahead and comment on there or send us a message and let us know what you'd like to hear more about. Uh, but also, if you haven't already, be sure to search for us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast listening app. Just search for the Anatomy of Wellness podcast. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. We're pretty much everywhere. So uh, be sure to do that. Subscribe. Leave a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. And we'd appreciate it as well if you shared uh, the podcast with your friends and family and, and acquaintances that you would think would find our shows interesting. So uh, we we would appreciate that. But thanks again for joining us this week. We'll be back soon with more conversations about your health and your wellness. But until then, happy and healthy living.